This is the word of the Lord from 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. Behold, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Please be seated. I'd like to introduce you, uh, and many of you already know Carte Bales. Carte and his wife, Colleen, been members here at New City for a while, and uh, Carte serves at Mission to the World. Mission to the World is the sending agency of the PCA, or Presbyterian Church in America. Carte serves at MTW as the Senior Director of Field Operations. Carte and his wife, Colleen, have been missionaries uh, prior to coming here with MTW in India for nine years. We're excited to hear Carte uh, preach God's word to us this morning uh, as he shares about God's heart for the nations. So let me pray. Lord, uh, thank you that we can come before you this morning freely and offer our praises to worship you. God, thank you for your extravagant love towards the nations. Lord, may your glory go forth. May your name be proclaimed amongst all people. Lord, this morning, I pray that you would guide Carte's words. I pray that they would speak to us. I pray that his thoughts and words would come from you. And Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified through this time this morning. I pray all of this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Bill. Well, good morning, New City Church. It is a privilege, truly. Uh, to be here with you again, opening God's Word, here from uh, 1 Peter. And uh, if you're new to uh, New City, or maybe you're just visiting, I'd like to welcome you and uh, introduce you to our Advent series. Advent's at time in the church calendar in the weeks leading up to Christmas, and our series, uh, After Darkness, Light. Darkness and light is a theme uh, that weaves, just redounds through Scripture from God's pronouncement at the beginning of creation, let light be, all the way through to the end, where God himself becomes the light of his people from all nations, and there's no more need of the sun. And in between... Ever since man's rebellion against God in the, dark, in the garden, darkness has been the natural condition of the world. Read the headlines from any news outlet. What do you see? Conflict, wars, famine. Just this week, someone driving through a holiday parade in their SUV. Gangs of, of people smashing and looting stores. You don't have to, to look far to see the darkness, but you know the darkness isn't just out there. The darkness is in here. It's the nature of every human born from our first parents. And, and what we long for, what we desperately need, is light. 
Light drives out darkness, not the other way around. Light is what humankind has been longing for since Adam. And the prophet Isaiah writes of this hope of light into darkness almost 3,000 years ago. He writes, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Last week, Pastor Ryan uh, brought us to Jesus, this light that Isaiah wrote about. Just as Jesus identifies himself in John's gospel where he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Advent means arrival, and it's the arrival of Jesus, the light that we wait for this season to carry us out of darkness, after darkness, after the darkness of all humankind, the light of Jesus. Well, Pastor Ryan spoke last week about the Advent lifestyle, how, how we as Christians live in this light of Christ. And this week, through Peter's words, we're considering something that's, that's, that's actually existential in its application. I mean, Peter answers very basic but important questions of life, like, who am I? Why am I? What's my purpose? And while that may sound like hyperbole or overstatement, it, it's precisely what Peter is answering for us. So the big idea from this passage, just so you know where we're going, is this. The light of Advent calls us out of darkness, restoring who you are and why you are for his glory through the church among all nations. And I've outlined that in... Um, three simple points that are questions. And the first one is how? How does this light divide humanity? Second question, who and why? My identity and purpose because of the light of Christ. And last, where? Where do we live this out? Let me pray for us as we begin. Father, use this broken cistern Fill me with your spirit. Open our hearts to hear your words and receive them. Father, that you might be glorified in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first question is how. How does light divide all of humanity? See, see Peter's assumption. Um, we were in darkness until we were called out into light. Biblically, we're in darkness until this light has shined on us, until we're called out. So Peter says to Christians, you are a people for his own possession. Whose possession? Him who called you out of darkness into light. The one who spoke light into existence. He summons you from your darkness by the light of Christ. And the one who created you recreates you as you come to Christ. Paul says that, doesn't he, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, where he writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. The old has passed away. 
After darkness, light. If you're in Christ, you've been made new. Peter's been talking about humankind in this way throughout this letter. Just before our text here, Peter uses the metaphor from Isaiah of a cornerstone, speaking of Jesus. And it's a cornerstone that's either embraced and believed in or rejected as an offense. What you do with the light of Christ, this precious cornerstone, this light of the world, determines whether you live in the light or continue in the darkness of humanity. Christ is the how humanity is grouped. Darkness or light, because he is light after darkness. In 2010, 33 miners became trapped underground in a Chilean mine. And one of the miners, a man named Mario Sepulveda, recounts his terror after being trapped for two months underground. He remembers finally climbing into a small capsule that was sent down this narrow shaft dug in the rock for the rescue of the miners. And he says this, he says, on the way out, it was terrible. I screamed. I just wanted to get out. I wanted to see the light. Imagine being trapped in darkness for two months and being terrified, just wanting to see light. But for humanity, it's not two months. It's been every generation since Adam. And if you're a Christian, if light has summoned you from darkness, it wasn't a, it wasn't a capsule that pulled you out of darkness into light. It was light himself who entered your chamber where you were trapped and freed you. That's why Peter writes in verse 10, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Meaning that you've received what one Bible dictionary describes as compassion to one in need or helpless distress or in debt and without claim to favorable treatment. See, we're trapped in our spiritual condition with no means of escape. You can't charm your way out, think your way out, educate your way out, perform your way out until the light of the world, by his compassion, climbs in and shines his light on you and pulls you out. Until that happens, you're lost. Hopelessly trapped underground in darkness in our sinful nature, but because of God's rich mercy, he digs down and brings light. Jesus then is that cornerstone. He is that light that divides all of humanity. Each of us remains trapped in our darkness or We've had this light shine on us and pull us out. And here's the question. Have you experienced this? Have you received his mercy? Has his light entered your darkness, your brokenness? Peter addresses this letter to Christians, and he begins his letter with these words. He says, according to his great mercy, God's mercy again, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, recreated, 
through his death and resurrection. You remember that Luke records that at the death of Jesus, darkness covered the whole land. Why? Because Jesus took all of the darkness of the world on himself in order to shine light into your darkness. Well, how do you know? How do you know if that light has come? Peter writes, you have that hope living in your heart. You know his excellencies. You've turned from your darkness and received and embraced his rescue and his healing for your sin and brokenness. And if you haven't, maybe you're just not sure or maybe you just don't understand it. Let me encourage you to talk to someone who does to pray with and for you that the creator of the universe who said, let light be, would shine the light of Jesus into your heart. So that's how. That's how humanity is divided. It's either walking in deep darkness until the light of Christ illumines the darkness or it's still in darkness. We either see darkness and receive his merciful light or we continue in the darkness. Second questions, who and why? Who am I and why am I here? Those are profoundly challenging questions. Most of us, I know I tend to do this, connect our identity and purpose with things like our occupation, our education, our, my title, hobbies, age, status, your family. I mean, the list is, is endless. This is who I am. Who are you? I'm an engineer. I'm a mom. But who are you? What are you on earth for? And there are myriad suggestions and all the religions and philosophies of the world for those questions, but Scripture answers very clearly here for Christians. First, who are you? Peter gives us four different titles all piled together one after another, but you, addressing those summoned from darkness into light, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Let me unpack these just a bit. You're a chosen race. The word race here is also translated elsewhere as people or family. And, and for this title, Peter goes back to Isaiah 43, where the prophet writes these words. It's God speaking. I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they may declare my praise. Hear the parallel in the verses? My chosen people declaring my praise. The light may come to each one of us individually, but it makes us a people together, a family, the church. In Asia, in much of Asia anyway, when you meet someone, the introduction uh, very normally begins with the person's last name, the family name. That's their identity. And that tells you where the person is from, who their clan is, what their status is. 
And then finally, the given name, the first name. See, if if God has plucked you out of darkness, he's brought you into this family. He's called you his people, which we call the church. Your new family name is Christian. Peter goes on. He says, we're a royal priesthood. He gets this from Exodus when Moses is standing on Sinai in front of the burning bush as God fulfills his promise to his people to bring him to this mountain to worship him. God says this about his people. You will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Priests of the king. What's Peter's point? Peter's saying, you stand in the very presence of the creator of the universe and king who calls you out of darkness. And now you can draw near to his throne without shame, without fear of wrath. You no longer need a human mediator to get to God. We have Christ himself as our high priest. So now your praises, your worship, your work are all received by him as you live in the light of his presence. And as a priest, you minister to the needs of others in his name and by his power. Then Peter goes on with who you are. You're a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Think about that. Peter parallels Deuteronomy 7 where God says to his people, you're a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. What's that mean? Well, first it means you're not your own. If the light of Advent has shown in your heart, it serves as a giant sold sign on your life. That's what That's what Paul says, right? When he says, you're not your own, you're bought with a price. Your life has been purchased and belongs to another by the one who has given you his holiness in Jesus and calls you to live in it. In our house, my wife um, puts our most, her most cherished candles, uh, the biggest and tallest ones, up on our fireplace mantle. I think we're going to need a bigger mantle so that everybody coming into the house where I can see them, it gives, it gives light into the house and, and she can see them because they're her treasures. In India, everybody uh, has in their family room something called uh, a showcase and the showcase is like a, a box built into the family room wall that's covered uh, in glass, and in there, uh, they put all of their treasured mementos, their, their possessions, in full view of everyone. That's you. You're a treasured possession. And God has placed you forever in his view, where his smile over you because of Christ never, ever fades. You're not a rusted garden tool out and back in the shed. You're in his showcase, in his presence. You're on his mantle. You're treasured. Why does 
Peter write this again and again and again? You're this, you're this, you're this, your identity, four times. Well, Peter's writing to a suffering church, a church that's set about by popular persecution, by marginalization, by darkness. To be Christian was to be less, to be mocked, to be abused. And Peter reminds this church of their identity, no doubt, because their heart question was, is God more than all of this? And the answer from Peter is, you belong to the king as his treasure. You're his family, standing in his presence forever. Yes, God is more than all the abuse, all the mocking, all the deprivation. But of course, our, our question in, in the modern American context is much different, isn't it? We have a lot of lesser lights that distract us from the true light, don't we? I hung my Christmas lights uh, outside the house uh, well in advance of Thanksgiving. You can judge me for that if you'd like. But um, we put a twinkling string of lights on, on some shrubs right outside the door. And on the nights when Colleen and I go out to admire our handiwork, which is fairly often, um, I find myself mesmerized by those little twinkling lights on this, this group of shrubs. And I think that's a metaphor what ha- for what happens in our lives with stuff, with comfort, with sports, with food, with other twinkly lights. And, and we ask, our question is, is God more than all this? And Peter says, you belong to the king of the universe as his treasure. You are his family forever. Yes, God is more than all these little twinkly lights around us. They don't drive out darkness. Only Jesus, the true light, drives out darkness. But it's really hard for us to trust that when we've each lived lives as not a people. That's what Peter says. You were not a people before you were God's people. Peter's saying that we were, we were orphans, and now we're a people, a family. Years ago, I worked with the Street Child Center in um, a major city in, in Asia, brought in a little boy about nine years old off the streets and made contact with him and brought him into the center. And he was infested with lice and and suffering from scabies. Um, And they brought him in and cleaned him up and gave him a bed and his house parents to care for him and love him, fed him uh, regularly, gave him new clothes, brought in a social worker And eventually, this little boy started going to school. But food started disappearing from the kitchen. A little at first, and then a little more. And finally, the house parents got concerned enough that they started looking around uh, the dorms to figure out where this food was going. And eventually, they found out this little boy had been stashing food in his room. You see, it's hard to trust you'll get the next meal if you spent your life hungry. 
It's hard to be family when you weren't family, to be a people when you weren't, to be loved when before you had none. Peter says you were orphans, but now you're a member of the royal family forever. See, Peter knows the church needs to hear those words again and again and again, even today, even though our questions and our context is very different. Yes, God is enough. Listen, I know it's not cool as a guy um, to admit, uh, admit to this, um, but I'm a huge fan of the show Downton Abbey. And for the benefit of you other men, uh, it was a series on, uh, that ran on PBS from 2010 to 2015. It was a British historical drama that uh, centered on the fictional Grantham family, set in a magnificent Yorkshire uh, country abbey, thousand lush acres where the maids and, and footmen and butlers and everybody lived in this dark dungeon uh, below uh, downstairs. And the aristocracy uh, lived in this plush, ornate upstairs, headed up by the Earl of Grantham. Now imagine you're in that, that dark underbelly of, of the abbey uh, as a servant, and you get summoned uh, up to see the uh, up, upstairs. Well, of course, when you go upstairs, you go to the, the servant's entrance in the back, but no, they tell you, uh, be assured, uh, you need to go to the front. And you go to the front, and you're met by a butler who escorts you in and uh, leads you into the most magnificent room imaginable, something like this, which is from uh, the setting of the show. This can't be, this can't be real. <laughs> what am I doing here? And then the Earl himself enters and greets you, and he bids you take, take a seat. And you choose a seat, and you slide your grubby little self down into one of these chairs, and the earl asks, do you like it? And you say, well, yes. And the earl says, it's, it's yours. It's what? You ask, and in fact, the earl says, as a member of this family, everything in this room is yours. More than that, you share in an interest in this whole estate with the family. Family? How's that possible? The Earl answers, I've been looking for you for some time. He replies, he says, you're my son. A huge lump grows in your throat and then you're overcome with dread, and you say, I, I need to tell you something. And the earl says, yes, go on. You say, I'm the one who killed your eldest son. And the earl says, I know. I forgive you. That's mercy and grace. Can you imagine that happening to your family, to, to you? Because that's your new identity. If you've been brought from darkness to light, that's already happened. And now you're part of this family. 
citizens of heaven, together in this group that we call this family, this race we call the church. It's one last reason I think Peter reminds us of our identity is because we didn't do it. It's God who calls us out of darkness by his light. We weren't smarter or more clever than those still in darkness. Remember that miner, Mario Sepulveda? I doubt he got to the top after he was freed and said to himself, boy, boy, I was clever. I'm so glad I I got up here before all those other guys who are still trapped. I doubt there's a night that goes by that he doesn't wake up thinking of that darkness and thinking of the light that came and just whispering, thank you. We didn't do it. Jesus did. That's your identity as a Christian. That's who you are. The creator's treasured possession, his priest, the church. But what about your purpose? Why am I here? Peter answers, you're here so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God's pursuing, uh, God's purpose in calling you to himself and pushing back your darkness by his light and restoring your identity is, is to announce, to publish abroad, to herald his excellencies. And this so that isn't permission like you can, it's purpose. It's why God smiled at you through Christ, why he shined his light into your heart to give your life a single overarching purpose to declare his glory, his deeds, his unshackling of you in prison and bringing you to his heavenly dwelling and stamping over your marred identity, your true identity. That's why you are. That's why you are. The Reformers got this when they wrote the very first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. First question, what is the chief end of man? Meaning, what is the purpose of man? Why do you exist? And the answer, man's chief end, man's purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. If you're a Christian, that's why you are. But this isn't new. These are exactly what God intended for humankind from the beginning of creation. If we look back into the Genesis account in chapter 1, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What was their identity? The people of God living under his kingship in his presence. An identity that was horribly marred when they walked away from God when darkness came. What happens when the light shines into that wreck of humanity? That very image is restored and being restored. They were the people of God, his priests, his treasured possession. Then they walked away. And Peter says, that's what you are again in the light, 
His chosen people, his priests, his citizens, his treasured possession, that's been restored by Christ. Your purpose is also restored. Genesis records humanity's purpose was to have dominion over the earth as God's people under his authority, as they were to extend the garden to all of the earth. And in that work, bring glory, not to their own work, but to to their creator who made heaven and earth, who gave them charge to rule over it. Before the fall, when we looked at Adam and Eve, as they lived and labored, we would have seen the reflected beauty and majesty and glory of God through them. That's why I say this is a restored purpose. Our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, to show his excellencies. Peter writes, a a purpose restored when the light of Christ shines into your life. And this is, honestly, this is hard for me personally sometimes. I have a nice job title, live in a nice neighborhood, a nice house, drive a nice car, go on vacations. And hidden way down inside of me is a desire that people will look at that and say, that's a good guy. But that's a desire to reflect my glory, not God's. Those are my twinkly lights that I hope my neighbors will see and think well of me. That's the fall at work. Our restored purpose, church, is to make much of him, his excellencies. That's why God called you out of darkness into his light. He restores who you are and why you are. Final question, where do I live this out? This restored identity and purpose. Well, Peter hints at it in the opening words of his letter where he addresses it to the elect exiles of the dispersion. Don't get hung up on the word elect. Has a light shone in your heart and freed you from darkness? Then Peter's writing this to you. Peter writes they're in a dispersion. They're scattered. Look back to the Genesis passage. God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over every living thing on earth. Notice the where in the verse. Where. God says, fill the earth. Fill the earth. Meaning our original purpose given by God was for his people to reflect his glory everywhere on earth. But after the darkness came, we see in Babel, um, in the book of Genesis, a little bit later, what, what was God's concern there? His concern was that man decided to try to make a name for himself, right? Try to re- recover his own personal identity. That's true, but the account of Genesis 11 begins with an observation in verse 2. That the people had found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And after the Lord decides to go down and confuse their language, what does verse 8 say? The Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Fill the earth. That's God's intent for his people, to fill the earth. So that as the prophet Habakkuk writes, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. 
this, this awareness of living out our purpose is also restored through the light of Christ. You probably know what's called the Great Commission in the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus says all authority in heaven is, is his, heaven and on earth. All of that authority is his. He's king. And then he says, go make disciples of all nations, everywhere, all nations. Luke records the words of Jesus just before his ascension in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, you'll be my witnesses. In other words, you'll glorify me. You'll proclaim my excellencies. Where? Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Same answer to the question, where? Fill the earth. It's a restoration of the purpose that God's people would be proclaiming his glory, reflecting his light into every village and town and people and tribe in the world. And if our restored identity through Christ is the people in possession of God, bearing his image, if our restored purpose is to proclaim his excellent glory, then we, his people, are recreated through Christ to carry the proclamation of light from darkness into every nook and cranny of creation to fill the whole earth with and for his glory. That's who we are. That's why we're here. That's why we were summoned out of darkness. And that's where we carry out our purpose as his people. I returned last week from a country in Central Asia that I can't name for security reasons, but the, the country's about 10 million people in population. Only roughly 0.3% are Christians. So I'm not big on math, but if there's 10 million people and it's 0.3%, that's like 30,000 people who are there proclaiming the light. There's a woman I'll call Dara who lives in a a town near the capital. She's the only Christian in her fairly sizable town. And she has to commute several towns away each Sunday just to be in a fellowship of, of believers. No other people around her carrying the message of light into darkness. Christians there told me that most of the Muslim population of that country has never met a Christian Many of them don't even know somebody who knows a Christian. How will they hear unless we fill the earth together as priests, as family, and proclaim his excellencies, his mercy in Christ to all nations? After all, that's our purpose together as God's redeemed people. I was accompanied on that trip to that country I can't name uh, by one couple in their 30s with small kids uh, and, and a man in his 50s, also with grown children. They're praying and seeking God as they think about moving there to bring more light. Maybe you've had the experience of flying at night. For me, I, I like to get a window seat and look out the window, stare out the window into the darkness. Sometimes you can fly an hour or two or sometimes more over places in the world where there's nothing but darkness. And then you'll see a, a light or a cluster of lights and um, they'll just kind of go by the side of the plane and 
pass behind you and then just more darkness. And I think that's much of what the world is like spiritually. Of the roughly 8 billion people in the world, 3 billion people have no light bringers near them anywhere. That's darkness. That's darkness. Our purpose, church, as his people, is to fill the whole earth and proclaim the light. Declare the excellencies of the one who called us out of our trapped and tuned darkness into light. That's what Peter writes here. So what might it look like for New City to think together as a local church about this purpose of filling the earth? Going to those places where there is no light or where the light is still really really faint, where light is 0.3% of the population and 99.7% darkness. Regions like Central Asia or the Middle East or countries like Japan or Cambodia. What might this look like for us? It's who and why we are, according to Peter. Not everyone can go to a place where the light is dim. But if this is our identity and purpose, you should know there's much darkness in the world that still needs light. Not, not our little twinkly lights. You know that little ditty, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine? That's a theological wreck. Those in darkness are awaiting his great light. The light of life. The light of the world. Jesus. And if this is our purpose, as Peter says it is, some must go. And the rest of us are called together to fulfill this purpose by sending them as light reflectors. We can partner with people already serving in places like these, people around the world who need the, the support and help and prayer of churches like New City. You may be in here this morning and God has been prompting your heart already. Go, you go, fill the earth. Together, we the church want to walk with you on that journey. As you consider this call, the elders, the past, uh, pastors of this church would love to be walking with you in a, a journey like that. And for those of us who stay, our purpose is to proclaim his glory, reflect his light into our neighborhoods, our families, our workplaces, our schools. That's where our purpose is lived out, the whole earth, not just here, not just there, but the whole earth, fill the earth. The light of Advent left heaven to be born as a baby, to live a righteous life and die in our place, to free us from our entombment, our darkness. And he bore that darkness himself at the cross for all who believe. And his light and death and resurrection and sending of his spirit fundamentally changes and restores who you are and why you are. It restores our identity and purpose as a people in treasured possession of the creator. Light after darkness so that we, the church, proclaim his excellencies, his mercy, the one who reached into our dark pit, brought us life and freed us 
And he sends us to fill the earth to all nations with the knowledge of his glory as the waters cover the sea. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the light, light of Christ, freeing us from our entombment. That song that we sing every Advent, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared. And now yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Light has come. Help us live in it as your treasured possession, as your people, for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, Pastor Ryan here. We're so glad that you've tuned in with us and watched one of our online sermons. Our vision as a church is to live as the family of God, together proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel of grace to one another in our city. If you don't have a church home or you're looking for a church, we'd invite you to attend one of our in-person worship gatherings so you can experience all that God has for us as a community of believers on mission.